This morning, we are continuing our series called Thankful. Thankful is like faithful kids that we're packing for. If we do this right, we can have our heart full of thanks and hearts full of gratitude. Thankful is important, and there's a connection that we saw last week. If you look at what we covered last week, we talked about the context of contentment. This week, we're talking about the process, because it is a process of contentment. Now, I know what you're thinking. Hey, Bill, I thought you said this was about thankfulness, not contentment. Well, last week, if you missed it, go back and listen, because there's a very key connection between contentment, thankfulness, and connection to God. So that's, that's what we talked about in the context last week. Now we're going to talk about how do we cultivate that in our daily lives. So we want to make sure that we cover that idea of contentment because without it, lots of things will falter. Uh, just looking ahead, we're going to have the Zena Project. That's a pause in the series, but then the focus of contentment will be the last one. That's going to help us really ratchet in so that as we get done with this sermon series, we don't lose focus and we don't lose contentment and all the other things that follow with that. Okay, so here's another sports trivia, uh, and this is an easy one because the guy's name is on his picture. <laughs> but who is this? <laughs> Tim Tebow. Who doesn't know Tim Tebow, right? I mean, this guy was amazing. He's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. This was back in his University of Florida days. And if you look at some of these stats that Tim Tebow did as a quarterback of the University of Florida, it's amazing. Two national conferences. He set all kinds of records for passing efficiency. He was the first sophomore ever to win the Heisman Trophy. That's remarkable. He was a first-round pick into the Denver Broncos as he went pro. And as he played for the Denver Broncos, he was a hero of the AFC Championship game. He led the winning drive that got the Broncos the AFC Championship and advanced them. This guy is on top of the world. He uh, even has a verb named after him. How many people have a verb named after him? Yeah, I hoganed today. No, <laughs> but I Tebowed today. Do you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? But as you look at all these stats, is that what you remember about Tim Tebow? What, what is it that you most remember about Tim Tebow? His Christian faith. Yeah, because he Tebowed, right? And, and the, the thing that I remember most is the black eyeliner, right? Do you see? It's probably too hard for you to see, but it says Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13, right under his eyeballs. Can you imagine being the defensive line looking across at that and going, what chance do I have if God's on his side, right? I mean, so uh, Philippians 4.13, just out of curiosity, anybody know what that verse is? Way to Google, David. That is awesome. <laughs> you got the head start. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Your translation may vary just slightly, but it basically says, I can do everything through Christ. So isn't that wonderful? I mean, if you wear that on your eyeliner, don't you think you ought to at least win a Super Bowl or something? I mean, where does this show up in your life? A lot of times this is the kind of verse that shows up on a refrigerator or is on a bookmark. Some people even get tattoos. There's a, a, a now infamous cage fighter that has Philippians 4.13 tattooed on his chest. Luke Yelverton has it on his jacket. Well, see, there you go, right? So it shows up in our lives, and we want to claim that because that sounds great, doesn't it? I can do everything. It's almost like I'm Superman or Superwoman. But if that's the case, what happened to Tim Tebow? Because the year after he won that AFC championship for the Denver Broncos, the Denver Broncos drafted uh, an older quarterback. You may have heard of this guy called Peyton Manning. 
And suddenly they didn't need a Tim Tebow anymore. So he got traded to the Jets. So you're thinking, ah, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to go be a Jet. The next season, he threw eight passes. Yes, you heard me correctly. The whole season, he threw eight passes and then was cut at the end of that year, actually traded at the end of that year. He got traded to the Patriots. Well, they need a quarterback, right? <laughs> That's Tom Brady. Are you kidding me? Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, what, what chance does a guy have? And so after he went to the Patriots the next year, he went to the training camp and didn't even make the team. He got cut. Now, if you follow Tim Tebow, you know that he went into baseball for a while and tried to make a go of that, and that didn't pan out. Uh, and, and so I find myself wondering, he keeps wearing that Philippians 4.13 that he can do everything, but is that what that means? That we can do anything? That we can just name it and claim it and win, conquer, do anything that we want if we do it in the name of Christ? Maybe there's more to this. So that's what we're going to experience today. We're going to uh, talk a little bit about our expectations and no one knows more about expectations and, and, and not meeting them than this guy named Paul. Uh, maybe you've heard of him too. I don't think he wore black eyeliner, but he did write what we wear on our eyeliner. So uh, this is good stuff. Let me give you a, a little bit of uh, background on Philippians, the letter in Philippians. So Paul is imprisoned by this point. He's under guard. He's writing these words. And back in that day, when you were a prisoner, it wasn't like the state took care of you. Uh, it wasn't like there was a federal budget that went towards prisons and you got three squares a day and a place to lay your head. You had to rely on people to support you. And so the Philippian church was supporting Paul monetarily, giving him things that, you know, so he could eat and, and all that kind of stuff. And so he's writing to say thank you. And in his words, we're going to find two keys that we can use to be content and to actually do all things. So here goes. Philippians 4, 10 through 13. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. There it is. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. Paul himself says it right there, but it makes no sense to me. This is a guy who has been in prison, is in prison, as he's writing this, who's had a rough go ever since he converted. I mean, he had the best of the best. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He had all the honor and the privileges, and he threw that away to become a Jesus follower. And you would think, okay, uh, Jesus wants his word to get out, so he's going to make it easy for Paul. Au contraire. So here's one of the two secrets. As we go back, I'm going to underline. For I have learned to be content. Let's break that apart for just a second. That content, that word that we talked about last week in the Greek, archaeo, means to be satisfied, to have your fill. But it also means to be possessed of unfailing strength. So in this instance, Paul is saying, I have unfailing strength. I can be content no matter what, no matter what the circumstances are. 
And I'm thinking, that sounds pretty good, but how do you do that? Well, everybody wants contentment, but nobody wants to work for contentment. Have you noticed this? So notice that he says, I am content. No, he says, I have learned to be content. How do you learn to be content, Bill? Well, you go through some stuff that makes you possess unfailing strength, and it can be hard. Listen to this. I wrote down this because you're not going to believe this. This is all in the Bible. This is what Paul went through, and if you don't believe me, check out 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 27. Five times Paul received 39 lashes from Jewish leaders. That was the, the penalty for false teaching and blasphemy. Three times he was beaten with rods. That would be the Gentile punishment for disturbing the peace. One time he was stoned and left for dead, and I don't mean like Cheech and Chong stoned. I mean like literally stoned, left for dead. They thought he was dead. They walked off. That was the sentence of execution of the day. They tried to kill him. He wasn't having it. Three times he was shipwrecked at this writing. After he wrote this, he was shipwrecked once more, and he spent an entire night and day adrift in the open sea. This is after saying, I'm going to follow Christ and spread your word. How's it going so far? He's worked hard, long, many sleepless nights. He's been hungry, thirsty, gone without food. He shivered in the cold with barely enough clothing to keep warm. That's how you learn to be content. Because that archaeo, that talk, that source of contentment is not our will. It's not our strength. It's the unwavering confidence that God will provide. That's where the unfailing strength comes from. Our reliance and assurance that God will provide gives us unfailing strength, allows us to have that contentment in any situation. So, so far, so good. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad my ministry has been easier than Paul's. I haven't been shipwrecked once. Knock on wood, right? We'll see what's coming. So he has learned this. Now, the second part... <clears throat> I want to highlight here is this, this uh, famous phrase that we all, maybe not. There we go. I can do everything. This is superpower, right? All I have to do is this little incantation. I can say God in the name of Christ, and boom, I can do everything. Mm, I don't think that's what that means either. Uh, it's everything through him. Again, not my strength, not my will. But you say, but, but Bill, God's power is amazing. If you tap into that, can't you do anything? Isn't this just like a spell that you can cast, an incantation, a prayer that we can say, and poof, you're, you have available the power of the creator of the universe? Yeah, God's power can move mountains. God's power can break chains. God's power can defeat sin and death. That all sounds wonderful, but you know what else God's power can do? It can give his son the strength to get through the cross. That's what God's power can do. Sometimes that defeating sin and death comes at a great cost. And it's not the thing that's done. It's getting through to the end of the thing that needs doing. So that'll preach right there, right? So often we just think, I want you to take this from me. I want you to make this easy. I want that promotion. I want that honor. I want that accolade. Oh, it's for you. And God says, you know what? No, what I need you to do is to get through, to endure. And in the process of enduring, show me to the world. In the midst of your suffering, 
not, not despite your suffering, in the midst of your suffering, show me to the world around you. In the midst of that hard time, possess my unfailing strength with the knowledge that you will get through this. That's strength. That's doing anything. I can endure anything. I can be cold. I can be hot. I can be fed. I can be hungry. I can be homeless. I can be wealthy. But in it all, I possess the unfailing strength of a God who will provide. That's unfailing strength, true unfailing strength. So there's a couple things I think we need to stop doing as a society. I've made a list. We need to stop doing this for sports teams. You know, it's not a claim it and win it, right? Like Astros, you can do everything. Oops, <laughs> that didn't quite pan out, did it? <laughs> right? Now, I'm not saying that you don't tap into Christ. That's great. But win or lose, show Christ. And don't ditch Christ because we didn't win. Don't throw Christ out because it didn't go the way we wanted it to. Hang on, endure, and show Christ to the world. The second thing is, I put Christian in, in quotes here, Christian goals and dreams. I can't tell you how many times in the course of, of ministry I've heard people saying all the great plans and goals that they have for God. I always wince when I hear that because it's supposed to be the other way around. What dreams and goals does God have for you? Right? And sometimes we try to rationalize or justify, well, God would want this, so therefore he must want to give that to me. That promotion, that move, that car, that house, whatever. But we're missing the point. We've got it backwards in the cart before the horse. So abandon Christian goals and dreams and just be available to serve the creator of the universe. I think that's a better approach. And then finally, the success and promotions. Probably enough said already because we've talked about this. But I can't tell you how many people try to take this phrase out of context and make it a prosperity gospel. If I claim Christ in this, then I can do everything. I'll get that promotion. What if you don't? What, what happens to your faith if it doesn't work out the way you expect? I'll tell you what happens to your faith. That is one of the greatest tests of your faith, and tests make us stronger. Why is this so important? Why do we... Uh, hash over this, why do we do all this, this stuff? Because I'm, I'm convinced that the more trips I take around the sun, that the struggle, the daily struggle and the strife is what shapes us into the image of Christ. The author Max Lucado has a term that he uses called anvil time. You're just going through a, a period of anvil time. God's hammering on you and, and all you can feel is every blow. But in the meantime, he's shaping us into the image of Christ. Why would he do it that way? Why is that so important? I, I found this uh, picture that I thought, uh, I think I might have skipped one, did I? Whoops. <laughs> that's, that's a lovely picture, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm actually good. Okay. Uh, I, th I think the challenge here is that unfailing strength, that ability to get through things, and that shaping into the image of Christ. There's all kinds of verses about this in the Bible that talk about what happens when we persevere and we, f we grow into the fullness of maturity of Christ. And if you look at any superhero story, any hero story of old, 
the ones that really resonate, at least with me, are not the ones that are instantly successful. It's the ones who struggle. It's the ones who, all the way to the bitter end, there's one thing that remains, one thing that they can never be beaten in, and that is their spirit. They never get broken in their spirit. Now, pull up this picture. This is uh, Mel Gibson playing in Braveheart. For those of you who know the movie, this is right at the end. He's been captured. He's being tortured literally to death, and they're trying to get him to recant, to, to say, well, everything I've done is a farce. And what's the last words out of his mouth? Freedom! Never broke his spirit, despite literally torturing him to death. His spirit never broke. See, there's a man who can do all things. Now, was that through Christ? Mm, maybe not. But that's the point, because he influenced entire generations and a nation. There's another one, though, that was even better than that. As he lay on a cross, being tortured to death, he never lost the vision. This is a guy who can say in the midst of all this, Father, forgive them. That was my mission, to create this opportunity for forgiveness and reconciliation. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And at the end of this time of torture for him, he said, it is finished. What is finished? Freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from death itself. Death, where is your sting? You have no power. Because the power of God lived through the perseverance of Christ. And because of the perseverance of Christ, we can do all things. We can endure. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you're up against something that's bigger than you can handle. You know what I say in a weird and, and <laughs> twisted way? Good. Because when it's bigger than you are, you have to rely on something that's bigger than you. And there is no greater thing to rely on than God himself. That's his invitation to us today. If you uh, go to the website uh, later this afternoon, I'm going to have a, a covenant prayer on there. It's called the Wesley Covenant Prayer. You can download it. But it's John Wesley's prayer in which he basically says, hey, God, no matter what happens, use me. And, and that might be a good thing to download and print out and take to your mirror and just look at on a regular basis to remind us of this strength that will be unfailing. You know, as I, as I think about good old uh, perseverance, <laughs> for lack of a better term, this is why I think this is so important. Because I found this quote, and I believe in it. You just can't beat the person who never gives up. And Satan thinks he's got Jesus, and Jesus never gives up. Satan's got him on a cross, and he's dying, and Jesus doesn't give up. Because he knows that God's power will bring him back. And who outlasts? Who's there at the end? the one who perseveres. This picture is especially meaningful for me. I don't know if you can see that from the back, but uh, it's a one-eyed lion. <laughs> so what do you call a one-eyed lion? <laughs> that wasn't where I was going, but thank you. <laughs> it's still a lion. So what? You lose an eye. Still be a lion. That's what Christ can do in you. You cannot beat the one who doesn't give up, and the one who doesn't give up is named Jesus Christ. That's the one to tap into. See, as I think about their career of good old Tim here, I think he actually got it right. 
You know, it, we, we may think, well, he was a total failure. I don't know if you have been following, but he just tried out for the Jacksonville Jaguars this, this last preseason because his old college coach is the coach there, and he brought him back, and he tried out as a tight end. Whatever, you know, you play quarterback all your life, but you can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Anybody know how that went? He didn't make it. He got released. And if football is the goal, Tebow is a failure. But you know what? I think Tim has it right. Because if you look at the tweets that he sent right after being cut from the team, from his old college coach, this is the last chance. This is the last hurrah. There's nothing after this. He says this. First word out of his tweet, thankful. Thankful for the highs and even the lows, the opportunities and the setbacks. Never wanted to make decisions out of fear or failure. And I'm grateful full for the chance to have pursued a dream. And then he sends another one. Thank you to the Jaguars organization and everyone who has supported me on this journey. And we know that God works all things together for good. Romans 8:28. Is Tebow a failure? Yeah, if you look at football, he is. But if you look at life, if you look at perseverance, if you look at faith, I think Tim has it right. Because Tim is thankful. May we be the same. Will you pray with me, please? God, thank you for many reasons to be thankful. Forgive us when we're not and teach us how to be. Teach us how to rely on you and teach us that through you we can endure anything. And as we endure, we cannot be beaten. We can outlast anything this world throws at us we can live into eternity because of you and your presence. I'm so grateful for that. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.